a show dedicated to athletic development. We believe that we are one team with one fight. TrueGrind's mission is to empower athletes by using the weight room to teach the mindset and mental fortitude to succeed on and off the field, where we focus on developing powerful quality movements, understanding intent over intensity, and mastering the concept of lead small, where we share the unvarnished truth, even if common sense tells us otherwise. Your host is Brandon Janeka, owner of True Grind Systems, a sports performance gym in Austin, Texas. Welcome back to Grind Time. Uh, I'm uh, Brandon Janeka. We're here at True Grind Systems, and today we have Jackson Sigmund. Uh, Jackson, how are you? I'm doing great today, man. Awesome, awesome. Jackson, why don't you go ahead and start with uh, telling us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, my name is Jackson Sigmund. I was born and raised here in Austin, Texas. Kind of traveled all over, playing the game of baseball. Um, came to True Grind, starting about a year ago, I guess, roughly. And um, yeah, I love the game. I love trying to give back to it and enhance like people's understanding. And just some things I've learned over the years that I wish I knew when I was 12 or 10 or 14 or even a year ago. So... Any chance to give back, I'm here for. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about, uh, about what would you do differently if, uh, if you were 12, 13, 14 right, right now. But uh, um, just for everyone, um, so everyone can know, Jackson, you're a right-handed pitcher. Yeah. Um, played at the D1 level with mm-hmm. uh, West Virginia. Um, and talk about your current situation right now. Where are you at right now? So right now I am in the offseason still. Because uh, I play independent league baseball um, at a team out of St. Louis called the River City Rascals. Um, they're in the Frontier League, and we won our division and made the semifinals last year, so it was really cool. Um, but before that, I played a year with the Royals and their system. I was a free agent, an undrafted free agent, signed out of Indy Ball, and uh, spent time in the Arizona Arizona League with them, and then went to spring training last year before getting released. How was that time? How how since you were drafted, what has what has the grind been like for you? So I think you when you get that call, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take you, we're gonna give you a chance, you're gonna come and be a royal. Um, at that point, I think it's one of the highest highs you can feel in your life because it's at that point it'd been 21, 22 years of, of work, and I guess I've been playing baseball for 18, so 18 years of work. Uh, and I thought that I had realized my dream just by making it to, you know, being able to play at West Virginia. And then the, to go a step further and say, hey, you're going to get to put on a uniform with a big league name on it. You're going to have the hat and everything. Like, you're in a spring training clubhouse. Um, it was one of the highest highs I could have felt in my life. And I think what separated me from other people is I, I realized that that's like the time when you can get complacent and you can be really happy that where you're at or you can decide to work and show up better than you were when they last saw you. Um, so then the grind after that was I, I moved to Seattle. I trained at Driveline Baseball for three or four months last offseason, or I guess two off-seasons ago now. Um, fall, I mean, winter of 2017 and a little bit of spring of 2018 before going to spring training, being there for three or four weeks, and then getting released at the end. Um, and then after that, I moved back home to Austin, started training at True Grind. Um, and I think the hardest part after getting released was just maintaining motivation because you've gone from such a high high to the lowest of lows where you're told, hey, we don't think you're good enough to make it. And it's the first time in your life you've been told, hey, you're not good enough to make it. And there really isn't any other options at that point. Um, so maintaining that motivation at that point was, was probably one of the toughest things that I had to endure and kind of figure out ways to get myself to show up to work out and to throw and do everything I needed to do because 
now you're just a guy living at home at 23 that's working out during the day, chasing a dream where everyone else has their eight to five jobs and, you know, a steady income and a steady life. Um, so you were never one of those guys who, uh, who threw hard. You weren't. God I still didn't don't throw hard. Yeah, God, <laughs> God didn't reach down and, and, and put a lightning bolt in your arm. You mean you were you were saying that even through your collegiate career, you were you were mid eights. Yeah. Um, and and I was the same way. I I, I played. I only made it. I, I hung on my cleats after senior year uh, of high school, and I was a catcher, and I was one of those guys who who absolutely had to work. I I, I did. I, I worked hard. Um, Never the best, um, didn't have the strongest arm, wasn't the fastest, couldn't hit the best. Um, and I know what it's like to, to go from hero to zero, you right. know, to, to, to go from the top guy on your team to now, like, for instance, going from uh, JV to varsity or, or right. freshman to JV, where it's like the, the first string to now you're, now you're competing for a second string job and you're looking at possibly third string and possibly, you know, uh, limited playing time. Um, what, what was your mindset during that, that um, potential drop of motivation? Yeah, I mean, what, how did you stay motivated from being, you know, a royal right. to now being released and now where you're at right now, working your, back, working your way back through indie ball and, and trying to get back into um, affiliate ball? Right, so my mindset was, I was absolutely shook. Like, cause I thought I'd at least get, get, go to extended and like give, be given a chance to like spend a year somewhere and kind of figure myself out, especially with all the work I'd put in the office. I thought I had done enough to be, you know, uh, given another chance. So I think at that point I was like, do I still keep going? I made it this far. Like it's a great point to call it a good, you know, call the career, be done. Or do I kind of like push through this and, and fight to find my way back? And for a while there, it was like a day to day thing where I was like, today I'm going to, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do it. And the next day it's like, man, like, what am I doing this for? And I think that when you rely on like the external factors of like the status or, you know, what kind of shirt you get to wear across your chest or, or even just like being able to say that you do this, when that's your motivating factor, that's when like it comes in waves when it gets taken away from you yeah. because it's not intrinsic. It's not, doesn't come from within. And I think the biggest step for me and, and getting back on, you know, like the serious program was sending in job applications and trying to find an eight to five job. And then when someone calls you asking you to come in for an interview, your immediate gut reaction is, I don't really want to go in there and waste their time because I'm probably going to say no if they offer me something because I still want to play baseball. And once you go through that process, it's like, okay, I want to play baseball. Obviously, what I've done up to this point is not good enough. No matter how hard I think I've worked, no matter you know the progress I've made personally, compared to like the, the pool of players that they get to choose from, it's not good enough at this point. So now we get to go in and dissect how can I get better? What can I improve on to make myself a more marketable player that someone's like, hey, we'll give him a flyer again. We'll give him a second chance. Right. Um, and, and granted, just because I figured that out, that I mean, I was motivated all the time. Like, you still comes in waves where it's like, you've gone three weeks, you're starting to see results, and then someone's like, hey, you're still not there. Yeah. Or no one's calling and saying, hey, come play for us. Right. Uh, so it, it has to just be absolutely intrinsic. You gotta, at some point, there's all, you're gonna prove all the haters wrong. At some point, you're going to have done everything you can do. And everyone's like, now, like, yeah, you're really good. You should keep playing. If you're relying on, like, other people's, like, doubt or insecurities to be the reason why you, you know, push yourself, eventually there'll be a point where that drive fades out because you've proved everyone wrong and there's no one else to prove wrong. 
So the earlier you can figure out that it's an intrinsic motivation that you have to have, I think is the better you're going to see yourself get and the more determined you're going to find yourself. Absolutely, man. I think, I think what you're saying is right on the money. Um, motivation is such a, such a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. And when it's good, it's good. And having those, those you know, uh, stick it to the haters mentality and, and having that extrinsic motivation is good. It's good. It's it, good. It, yeah. and, and you know, it's when it's there, it's there. It's awesome. Ride that train. But it's, it's not It's only going to take you so far. Yeah, it's only going to take you so far. And so what I the way I put it is is you call it self or uh intrinsic motivation. Right. Call it self-discipline, relying yeah. on on you to get it done, not mm-hmm. someone else. And and holding on to that 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 fire and passion that that you have for for the game itself and not solely relying on, on proving other people wrong right. or, or external, external things. Um, I know you've traveled, um, several places training and I know you have a cool experience that not a lot of people have. Um, and you gain tons of knowledge and, um, and I know you're a very analytical guy. You, you you're very, um, you look at the numbers, you, you dissect your movement, right. you're, you're, you're very strategic with, with how you operate and, and very precise with how you not only move, but how you're programmed and, and all those good things. Talk about that, that experience up with Driveline and, and who you got to share that with. And then also talk about that new equipment that's coming into the game. And we have some of it here, like the right. hit tracks and the Rapsodo. And, and maybe touch a little bit about the, how, the value you see right. in, in that type of equipment. Right. So I guess I should start off by saying I didn't lift very much in high school. I didn't start lifting until like my senior year, if that's the summer before going to college, I kind of got on it. But I didn't understand the true value of of what getting stronger could do. Because your whole life, you, at least where I was growing up, it was told, hey, like you either have it or you don't for velocity. Like you're, there's no ways you can, you know, train to throw harder. It just comes right. naturally. You're with born your, with it or not. Yeah, you, it comes naturally. Uh, you're going to grow into it. And if you don't, well, you're SOL. Right. Um, so I was just wanting to impress the college coach that I was going to go play for by lifting. So I, like, would at least look good. Because I had no idea what it, what it actually meant from, like, a strength and, you know, movement stuff. And so my whole college time, I was just lifting because that's what we were supposed to do. And I was running because that's what we were supposed to do. And I didn't understand until I, t- until I got to professional baseball and I got into an offseason, I got into an environment that was like, here is what, you know, if you have this kind of deadlift, here is the correlation to how hard you throw. Or if you have this kind of bench press, or if you move this way, here's the correlation to velocity. And I know that was the one thing I'd always been looking for, was that I was in 83 to 87 mile an hour sidearm pitcher in college, and I was able to navigate the Big 12 that way for a couple years. But I knew that once I got picked up, that wasn't going to make me a big leaguer. Being 83, 87, no matter what the coach said, hey, just spot up, it wasn't going to turn me into a big leaguer. So I had to turn to someone else that had more information than me that was like, hey, this is where your body is deficient. And it ended up being my body was deficient in a lot of things. <laughs> um, but once I got in that environment up at driveline, uh, again, back to the winter of 2017, um, that's when I kind of figured out, Oh, there's a, there's a really pragmatic way to approach your lifting, uh, your throwing, your recovery. Everything you do should be not like analytical to where it's like so precise, but it's just there's an understanding and an approach that you have toward it, and you attack that way, and you test and see if it's gotten better. And that's the way you grow. And for me, up until that point, I was just, hey, lift the whatever weight feels good for you that day. 
or hey, you know, like I know bench press isn't supposed to make you stronger, so just get get the reps done so you can move to the next exercise. Um, so I think once I got in that environment that kind of filled my need for understanding, I was able to be like, okay, everything I've been doing to this point has gotten me here, but if I want to get to the next level, I got to have a different approach and train different because I don't have the physical tools. I don't, I'm not six seven, where I'm not like two or thirty pounds. I'm not like some imposing presence. It's like man, that eye test has been passed. So I got to figure out ways that I'm going to like set myself apart, whether mm-hmm. it's like the spin rate, the slider, uh, you know, like the, 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 the profiling of the pitches off each other. I got to find a way to set myself different. And that was the best environment to understand that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. The, uh, talk about, uh, throwing with, uh, Bauer. Um, so um, that's not a lot of, not a lot of people have had that opportunity no. to, to throw with one of the best in the game. Um, I'd love to hear about it. No, so I guess I've probably pitched in the same live at bat setting as him probably three times. And uh, I guess one was two off seasons ago, my first time on a drive line. And then the last two were this past one when I went up there for a month for their pro day. Um, I bet Trevor Brown doesn't know who I am. <laughs> he doesn't know my name. He doesn't talk clear. He doesn't talk about man. This one time I got to throw with Jackson Sigmund. Um, but no, it's a really cool thing because you know I never saw myself in a position growing up towards like I would actually get to play with the guys that you watch right. growing up. And then you go and listen to all these interviews where it's like the first time this guy gets called from the big leagues, he's hanging out with King Griffey Jr. or Chipper Jones or all these guys, and it's like. I'm hanging out with my idol right now. And not that Trevor Bauer is my idol, but I remember watching him at UCLA yep. and, and him having like the, the, sun, the sun-dried cap and him being the Golden Spikes guy. And then all of a sudden, like this guy and I are within 15, 20 feet of each other, pitching out the same mound, facing the same hitters. Uh, so it's really cool. You know, he's getting ready for the season, so he needs a guy to fill time between when he does it. And I, that was my live AB day. So I was going inning for inning with Bauer for two innings. And... Um, Granted, he's a big leaguer and I was just a minor leaguer, but it's it's still a really cool environment because it's not very often you get to spend time with a guy like that that has right. such a deep understanding of the game uh, that he you know watches and, and and sees what you do and like will give you a high five or or you know dap That's you awesome. up after an inning where you go you know face three hitters. So I, I think more or less the excitement of it was was just being in an environment that like allowed that relationship or interaction to happen more so than like, oh, I get to tell a story for the rest of my life that Trevor Bauer and I throw on the same mound. It's more like baseball and my desire to get better led me to an experience that I'm never going to forget. Did he, um, did he train differently in any way? Did you see um, something different about his approach to uh, – uh, pitching to his approach about moving to his approach about warming up uh did you see what did you see that was so special with with trevor i think what he does and i'm just speaking based off like my very limited observations with him because he does most of his training kind of away from everyone but but he probably puts in like the most just raw hours of anyone whether it's to recovery or throwing like his volume of training probably would be considered like a full-time job plus some overtime with like a 60-hour work week yeah. kind of thing. And he, he legitimately takes it seriously that he is a baseball player full-time. The off-season is, we joke about it, it's, it's no off-season. I mean, he's, he's constantly working. He's always putting in um, 
time to get better and he'll go back and find, okay, where was my deficiency from last year and what do I need to work on in these four or five months I have to make the next season better. And so my first offseason up there was when he was working on his slider. And so I remember him just throwing slider after slider after slider or it being in the live at bats. He'd be like, hey, it's only fastball sliders today. So he'd scrap like three other pitches he has because he's trying to work on that one pitch. And he just devoted so much time and so much energy to making one pitch really good because he had mastered everything else. And so I think people try to like, oh, how am I going to get an arsenal like that? And you try to throw five or six pitches at once. Whereas he has developed it like pitch by pitch. Like he's always had a good curveball. He's always thrown relatively harder than everyone else. Like he was a guy that skipped the senior year of high school to go play at UCLA. Um, but then it's like, okay, now I'm at the big league level. What's the one thing that I can do this year to improve? And he focuses all his energy on that one thing. Whereas I think that a lot of people try to figure out, okay, how can I fix everything that's wrong right now? Right. And then instead of you know putting all the effort and going in one thing wholeheartedly, ends up being you're kind of splitting your time and splitting your economy between like four or five different things. And then you just kind of become average at everything right. instead of really exceptional at certain things. Right, right. Um, knowing that and being in an environment watching youth athletes, youth baseball players, and being a mm-hmm. youth baseball, a former youth baseball player yourself, yeah. what would you tell um, the the majority of youth baseball players that where their point of focus needs to be? I know that's a loaded question right. because everybody's individual, but if you could go back and tell yourself something at 12, 13 years old, or if you could look someone in the face right now, what would you tell them? To, uh, to focus on like, uh, like Bauer does. Right. I, I would say there's a, there's a couple things. I, I think the most important thing that gets overlooked in youth baseball is that it's a game and that you're supposed to have fun playing the game. Like, I remember we're up at like um, some of the parks around here when I'm like 10 years old in a fall workout game and it's 6 a.m. on a Sunday and we have an 8 o'clock game. And that, that doesn't make baseball fun. You don't look forward to that. Right. And, I, and I get the whole youth atmosphere and how people make money and how it's like some people need to do that. Some people want to do that. Right. Um, I, I think that pushing that too early can kind of detract from the game because it's the memories associated with is a Sunday morning taken away because you had to go play a triple header eight, 11, 30, yeah. and, and three. And all of a sudden yeah. your whole day is gone. You spin at the baseball field. You went 0 for 8. And it's just the game's not fun in that. Ninety-seven degrees, hundred percent. Or even if it's like in the fall, or, yeah. and it's like thirty degrees when you're waking <laughs> up, and it's just it's miserable. It's not fun to play baseball right. that way. I think that if you can find a way to make baseball fun, um, from like seven through twelve to even like the middle school years, that's when you're going to develop the love for the game yep. that carries you on. Um, I don't think you develop a love for the game when you're 18 to 20. I think the, people rise, the reason why people keep playing is because they fell in love with it at a young age. It's always like the first time my dad took me to a ballpark right. or the first time my dad and I played catch. Or I remember doing this in the backyard. Like When you get away from that, it becomes so structured of like, hey, we have to play five games a week like, and you had to get these in in two days. That's when it's like, man, baseball isn't fun because all I'm doing is sitting on a bench. I'm not hitting the ball well. I'm not getting any better. Um, so there's that aspect that I think that has and I to think improve. I think I think that's a great that's a great point is I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think that that fire that mm-hmm. that passion is is started at, at that young of age, and I think it's it's so imperative to to maintain that to hold on to that to make sure that you're having fun in order to get all the benefits out 
because sports, baseball, tons of benefits, right? Yeah. Um, leadership, um, learning how to how to follow, take orders, learning discipline, learning how to work hard, learning how to work together, um, sportsmanship, um, all of these great, great social um, uh, th- uh, attributes come out from sports, and, and, and in this case, we're talking about baseball. And if you're not having fun, you're not, I, I don't believe that you'll be really receiving, really gaining all of that value that is going to um, burn that flame, that right. is going to hold on to that fire and, and is what's going to get you through the, the, the lows of the motivation. It's, it's, that's the self-discipline, uh, the intrinsic motivation right there mm-hmm. that, that's going to hold you through um, the, uh, the, the low parts of your career. Yeah, and if um, you have a love for the game that starts early on, whenever stuff gets tough, you realize, I love this game. Regardless of where I'm at or what's happened in the past month or year, I love this game. And if you have that, you're going to try to keep playing longer than instead of the guy that's like, man, do I really like this? Because baseball since I was 10 has been about, you know, five hour practices, right? Puke, running till you puke, stuff like that. And, and no longer is it fun associated with, right. with the game. And then you're like, uh, I'm done yeah. with this. I'm just going to, I'm going to drop it. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm over it. So, um, what would you say to someone who start those feelings might be creeping in? It's something, you know, I, I've been there. I've been there. I've been playing the game, uh, let's call it, you know, five, six years in to, to playing the game baseball. And, and yeah, in, in Texas, the summers are rough. And, and I was a former catcher mm-hmm. and triple headers beyond the plate with hot dirt um, is a grind. No, yeah. no question about it. And, and I know that feeling of, you know, is, is this fun? Am, am I having, did I have fun yeah. today? You know, and, and, what would you tell someone who's starting to get that, you know, a little, uh, a little more and more? What what should they do? And they don't want to quit. Like that's the thing. I'm not, we're not saying quit the game. Yeah. You know, if it's not, what would you tell someone in that situation? So, I think I'd be a big proponent of stepping back and looking at first what you can do to, or what you're doing that's not making it fun. So, like, say, hey, okay, I've been struggling recently. The baseball, the game of baseball, isn't fun for me. Let me take a step back and kind of observe what have I been doing recently? Is baseball not fun because I'm not playing well? Well, then you plenty to put more time training. Have you been working really hard? You're not getting the results? Okay, how can I improve myself, make it more fun before you start trying to find other reasons? And then if it's, you know, you can't figure it out or something's like I'm playing too much, take some time off. Take a couple months off. Like, I, like I, I, it can't be stated enough that like, especially when you're young, your body's not made to be doing the fast motion sports 12 months out of the year. Especially if, you, if, you're, if you're playing multiple sports, compiling it on with like, oh, you have a basketball game tonight, but you got baseball practice before it, and then you got X, Y, and Z afterwards. Right. I think that taking time off can be really refreshing and rejuvenating because, hey, okay, I've taken two months off of baseball. I played basketball for a while. I really look forward to, to my games. But, hey, it's, it's December, and spring trouts are coming up. I'm kind of getting like this nervous excitement for it. I'm ready to get back to going. And I think that can be like a really refreshing thing too is like but also like communicating with your coaches like hey coach what's going on i'm not having fun what are we doing how can i figure it out i think just being open and honest about where you're at and how you're feeling about the game is is really huge in making sure that you're having fun while doing it i think i think that's key and i think it all starts with with having that honest self-assessment mm-hmm. talking in the mirror and, and deciding for yourself hey, you're exactly right what is it that 
is not making it fun right now. Am I playing too much? Is it the team I'm on? Is it the fact that I'm uh, not performing the way I want to be performing? Yeah. There's so many things that, uh, that could be influencing this, this feeling of, of being burned out yeah. or, or, or whatever. And I think that's a, a great place to start. And then absolutely communicating. Uh, first, talk to your parents. You know, be open about it. Yeah. You know? um, uh, their guidance is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then talk to your coach and, and, and come up with a game plan because you're right. Taking time off might be the best thing for them. And, and that's okay. The game isn't going anywhere. The no. game will, will, will still be here. It's been here since the 1800s. It's going to be here until who knows how long. It's going to be there if you want to get back into it. 100%, man. Um, thank you for coming on today. Uh, it was great chatting with you. I know this won't be the, uh, the last time that uh, we shoot a podcast together. But I appreciate your time for today. No problem, man. It's fun. Awesome. Thank you for listening. To learn more about TrueGrind Systems, go to TrueGrindSystems.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share us with your friends.